You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. All right, this is Rebel Yoshev and the Parsha. The Parsha starts with an admonition that these mishpatim, these civil laws that are the essence of the Parsha, tosim with mayhem. So the simple pshat, of course, means that Moshe put these, like Rashi says, explain these halachas super well for the Jewish people to understand them. But we learn out a, a drash, which has the toke for daraisa. It's as strong as a daraisa, which is that tosim lipneim. Lipneim means the judges that when you have a civil case, it should be spread out and described, each party claiming what he thinks is right or wrong, in, and the other person's wrong or he's right, and how they do it, lifneyem, meaning in front of dayonim, that you're not allowed, as the Rambam codifies, to go to a, a, a Gentile court, a court of non-Jews, even if it's not an Avodah court. Rebel Yoshev wrote uh, a letter about this because, as you know, it, this is an issue that rears its head in America quite a bit. And it also rears its head in Eretz Yisrael, where there are areas that um, the Rabbanut is not able to rule on, and, and it's gotten worse. There's used to be used to be you had the option in certain Choshen Mishpot areas to take the case to the Rabbanut, but the Rabbanut got its wings clipped uh, in the 90s. I don't remember exactly what it was, but they were became more limited in the in the types of cases of civil cases they could rule on. So the pressure, of course, was to take the case to the Israeli civil courts that aren't based on Torah. And whether that that is that called archoyos? Yes, that's called taking it to a court that's not according to Torah. If you look in the Chayshin Mishpat, Rav Yoshev says, you find the following very strong language: If someone takes his cases to the civil courts, Hareze Rosha. It's like he, he's insulting our ability, to insulting the Torah's ability to connect to the world. Look at this Medrash Tanchuma. If you, if you could have gone and you go to the non-Jewish court, it's like you're denying God and his Torah. Now, you do sometimes, Rav Yoshev says, if the Baal Din that you're dealing with is, is not going to go to the Jewish court, and he's a tough guy, and you're going to lose the money, and he's shown that he won't go, there is something called getting Rishus from the Bezdin, getting Rishus from the Jewish court to go to Archos. Many people believe that it's a very easy thing to get the permission. Rebel Yoshev 
along with other Dayanim wrote in the 90s that, first of all, it can't be through a telephone call. The idea that the Dayanim tell you or the Rav tells you, okay, this guy, you're never going to get him in Besden. I don't want you to have to lose the million dollars. Take him to court. You need to get permission in writing. Also, you can't, those people who give you the permission have themselves to be Dayanim. They have to be people who have, who have, who have, who have been in, has worked in Dayanut as, as part of a Besden. Rav Yoshev's Lashon is Dayanim Menusim. And they also need to know the story. They need to know exactly what's going on with the other guy. They have to do their research well. Otherwise, you can't, you cannot just say, okay, we're going, and we're going to, uh, we're going. In 2010, Rebel Yoshev signed the following uh, letter. He says, everybody knows how obvious it is that you cannot go to the Gentile courts or a non-Jewish court. When we say a non-Jewish court, it means even our chaot avodah. Now, what this means is, let's say you work in a in a um, in a company, and they have like an arbitration system, right? You have a panel that uh, it's a labor panel, and maybe there's also it's based on the fact that there's labor. Um, guilds. I'm not sure what they call it in Eretz Yisrael, but the point is, is that they all are part of a, they're all part of a guild. They're all part of a union. And the union has uh, set up a situation with people from management and others to, right, to, to talk about this situation. He says that's also called Erechos, Rabbi Yoshev said. Also going to, let's say you have a case against somebody in, a, in a, an apartment building. So according to the rules of the apartment building, they've created a, uh, a superintendent who is going to rule on that. That's a, a, that's a construct. It's not that they set up an alternate court system. It's that within the housing complex, there's a certain rules and regulations that govern it. And part of it is that is those rules that you, you go in front of the housing committee. If it's two from Jews, or, or even if it's a Jew against another non-religious Jew, you, you can't just say, let's go to the housing committee. You, you need to take it to a Din Torah. And it's not just the people who go. People who give you that advice. I want to tell you right now, there are people that I speak to and that I see who say, never go to a Besden. Besden's the worst place. You're always going to lose. The, they don't know what they're talking about. You need to go to court. 
And you find people who daven three times a day and learn Torah and do daf yomi. But when it, somehow when it comes to the business world, they'll tell you, okay, no, no, you've got to, you know, you're not going to go to a Bezdin. Not them. They're so corrupt. They don't know what they're talking about. And again, I think people out there that are listening know that this is exactly the case. Rabbi Yoshev, along with the other Rabbanim, signed in 2010 that if you are part of a group that promotes this, then you're also a, a messiah over Avera. You're also one of the people that is causing Torah to be lowered, uh, the authority of Torah to be lowered. Um, let's say, it, you, again, it's a, a city issue. Um, you know, you violated a, a code in terms of uh, a certain piece of land that uh, they telling you that you had no right to build there. Let's say the city build something on a piece of property that you think you own. So the city has come and starts taking away some of your property line. And you know that the city is not going to go to a Besden. So what you need to do is first go to a Dionym. And you have to find out whether the city or their representatives will meet you within Besden. And if Besden sees others oh, that you, right, you need to go to Besden first. That's the point. So these are a number of things about, uh, about going to court and what's considered a court. Rebel Yoshev gives a brocha and says that I know you don't want to lose money. Um, but if you actually do this and you base yourself according to Torah, despite how difficult it is, and you, you get the advice of Chachamim and Torah, you're going to see a brocha maruba. You're going to find that slocha eventually in this world and in the next. Now, Rabbi Yosha felt obviously very strong about this idea of, of taking the case to, um, to secular authorities. There was a Rosh Hashiva who was a Masader Kedushan and known to him, and he was Masader Kedushan for his Talmidim. Then he found out that the father of the boy had been involved in a court case in the secular courts of Israel. So, Rebel Yoshev, I don't know why it had to do with the son, but this Rosh Hashiva asked Rebel Yoshev what he should do. Should he get involved when it's, everybody knows that this father was, had done this you know, terrible Avera, according to Chazal? So Rabbi Yoshev said, it's not the son's fault. And you gave your word that you'd be Masada if you told him that. Now, after the chuppah, when the, son, when the groom's father sticks his hand out 
and he wants to get a bracha from you. Rabbi Yoshev says, show him that you're not happy. Rabbi Yoshev said, and again, many of you that are listening to this are probably, would probably say, what? Yeah, Rabbi Yoshev said, because Chazal say it's like you picked up your hand against Teiras Maisha, you're not going to touch that hand. You're not going to take that hand and sell Mazatov and say, listen, uh, I don't want it. Right. Now, how about will the boy be super upset if he sees that the, that the father isn't shaking hands, uh, that Rabbi Yosh, whoever it is, the Rashiva is not shaking hands with his father? Yes, but you need to make a stand in some way. That's how strongly Yosha felt about it. In fact, they asked Rabbi Yosha another question. A person had taken someone to Din without getting a special ksav from Bezdin. He had taken someone to secular court. And the other people who davened in the Bismedrish wanted to kick him out of Shul. So they asked Rabbi Yosha about that. So Rabbi Yosha said like this. If you think that by kicking him out of the Shul, he will learn his lesson, so to speak, and he'll do tshuva. He's not going to take people to court again, uh, to secular court. If that's what you think, then you're doing it for his benefit. But if he's, he's a tough guy, it's not going to make a difference. So you need to think about this. And you need to look at who are the people in your show. If the people in your show are really on a very high madrega, and they would never even think everybody else is a balabas or a tamad chacham or a rashid, whatever, and they would never think about taking things to the secular authorities. So you could say you don't fit in. If you look at the Mishnah Brura, if you follow Mishnah Brura alone, the Mishnah Brura does bring, when it talks about choosing a chazan for Yomim Neroyim, it says he shouldn't be the Shliach Tzibor, but it's not to be a member in the Shul. That's the Madrega. But yeah, there are Shuls where, you know, I guess you see from Rabbi Yoshev's Psak that. If a shul and a Torah are holding on a certain high level, and someone does an act which is totally uh, a contradiction to that, so I guess you do have a right. Rabbi Yosher felt, you know, you have a right to tell him, look, you know, you're not. This is staring everybody else that you're here davening with us. Um. When you do get the heter to go to the authorities, but the authorities want witnesses, just like Alpitaira, they want witnesses. <clears throat> so now somebody was called as a as a witness in a secular case. They asked Rebel Yoshev if he should go. So Rebel Yoshev said like this. Even if you get a heter to, to the, the Baudin has a heter to 
take the case to the Gentile or non-Jewish or secular authorities. What they paskin is not doesn't have the shame of a psak alpi bezdin. And therefore, if you're helping them, Rebel Yoshev says, if you're helping, let's say, your friend, and they are now going to use your testimony to take money from the other guy, that could be Gzela. So, yes, that guy has a right to go to Bezdin. But when you go and you help his case, and let's say if that would happen, I'll be Torah, your testimony would be weak. It would be only one eight echad, or it would be you didn't see enough. If Dayanam would have heard what you said, they would not have taken money from the other guy. But now that he went to the secular court, your testimony is going to help them, the Bezdin, I mean, in other words, the court, take money from the other guy and give them to you. Give it, take the other guy and give them to your friend who's calling you. So in a way, that could be Gzela. So they asked Rabbi Yosha further, wait, the guy who's calling you is telling you that he's right. So Rabbi Yosha said, well, how do you know? You're his friend, and he's telling you, you know, that, that he's right, and he's calling you to help testify. What about if it's a type of thing that would be a real, uh, just a story that the money was given, the money changed hands, uh, he saw the check, so the aide knows it's true. So Rebel Yoshev said, then it's not Gzeva. The question is, do you have to go? It's not Gzeva to go, even though if the court would rule this, you know that it's right that Shimon owes Ruven the money. Ruven's asking you to come to testify, but you're not Mahuyev to testify, Rebel Yoshev said. It's not like a Bezdin. No, it's he has a right to go, and you can do him a favor, but you're not Mahuyev to, to go. So that's the way you have to look at this. So, you know, people are listening here and saying, what, you can't go? Yes, you, yes you're dealing with certain else. You are allowed to go to secular court, but you first have to try to take the case to Bezdin, and then you need to speak to the Bezdin about what the situation is. The people you speak to need to be Dayonim that know their stuff, Dayonim Menusim, and they have to give you Iksav because if a person just says, oh, he gave me a heter, then it's the Wild West. Everybody's going to claim they have a heter. The Dayonim need to issue the heter in Iksav, an actual stamped document. Third, um, uh, in terms of the type of, of help and other things that go on there, uh, you need uh, a person who's called needs to get the facts and know what it is that he's saying. If, if, if it would just help him do something that would be usser al-pidin, that even though the guy wins the case in secular court, that might be considered gzela. So you got to really be careful about this. It doesn't mean that you're stuck but you need to tread very, very carefully as far as this goes. And that's one of the limudim. Well, another pasuk which shows up in the Torah three times, but this is the first time it shows up in the Torah, is which is the Yisod of Ilchaz Kashras. 
right? It's from there that we learn you have to eventually comes the halacha, of course, of waiting between between eating meat before drinking, before uh, eating milk products. That's what we learn out eventually from this halacha. There's the iser bishol, but then we said there's an issue, uh, iser without bishol. There's an iser even if you're just eating them together. There's also an iser the other way of, uh, of how much you have to wait after you have hard cheese. We know you're supposed to wait six hours or into the sixth hour or five and a half hours between meat and milk. But what about cheese? So someone asked Rabbi Yosha the following question. They heard that if the pizza that was used to make the cheese that was used to make the pizza is like melted yellow cheese. That you don't have to wait six hours. That's not called Gvina Kasha. Which in Shulchanar says you have to wait. So, let's take a look and see about Rabbi Yosef says what this is about. He says, I never was asked about this pizza story. But now that you want me to look into it, I'll give you the answer. There's, let's start the first way. You've had meat, and now you want to eat cheese. One reason is, based on the fact, and Rashi, and the Gemara and Hulman, that even though it's out of your mouth, the taste of the meat stays in your mouth for a long time and now becomes inserted with the milk or cheese products that you put in your mouth. The Rambam says it's not about the taste, but that there are particles between your teeth that even though most of it is being chewed, but there's those pieces that are in your mouth. And even though they're sort of going to be wither away, but for six hours, those are called real meat. That's the two svars. Now, in terms of the other way around, the Arachashulchan Rav Yashav says, talks about eating Swiss cheese. So, the postgame understood that certain types of cheeses also stay in your, not because of, like Rashi, it's the opposite. Just like Rashi says meat is a tough thing, it's a very, not tough, it's actually great and tasty and powerful, tough meaning powerful, and it stays in your mouth. There's also something like Swiss cheese or hard cheese, which also stays in your mouth. So putting the meat in is the same problem. The same way the meat is in your mouth and it stays as a tom in your mouth. And then when you put milk in, you're mixing milk and meat. The same thing is true when you have a cheese, which is so powerful.
That's so the Taz says if you hold like Rashi, that would be the problem. Like the Rambam, though, it might not be a problem. Why? Because the cheese particles aren't the same as the meat particles. And the Gemara, it's only meat that we know stays between your teeth. The Prichodosh disagrees with the Taz. And he says that even according to the Rambam, hard cheese should be a problem because it's just like meat between your teeth. Now, Obviously, if the cheese itself is not hard, it's soft and it can melt very easily, no one is going to tell you that the meat is in between your teeth. Be able like Rashi, that it's the tom that's in your mouth. So, if the cheese that was melted is really a sharp, that you can actually smell it in the person's mouth, so and that's what you melted onto the pizza, American cheese, no problem. But if you melt onto the pizza, like a gang, I know, gang, gonzola, <laughs> or um, you know, a real a sharp cheese, then you would have to be machmir, and you would have to wait six hours be- between, uh, between eating pizza and eating meat. Rabbi Yoshev has a very beautiful idea that he spins out of something which is very, very familiar to most people, which, of course, is the mitzvah Shabbos Aveda, which finds itself, which we find in this parsha, Parshas Mishpatim. Here, when the Torah describes the Aveda that is lost, it says that you come across this shore, this chamor, that is toe. The language the Torah uses is that it's it's lost. It's a living thing that's lost. Toe. In Parshas Kiseitze, the parallel Parsha to this, where the Torah writes, Lysira Shorachicha Nidochim. Here we're talking about an animal that's nidoch. Now why does the Torah use in one place toe and the other place the word nidoch? Toe, Rabbi Yoshev says, means it's 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 around. It has you've lost it, and in a way, it's out there, perhaps looking for you or looking for something. It doesn't know its way. It's not sure where to go. In a sense, it's perhaps helping you because it really wants to find safe harbor. Whereas the, the animal that's described in Parshas Kiseitze, Rebbe Yoshev says, is a nidoch. That's an animal that's run away. That's an animal that perhaps is not happy to be where it is. It's maybe an animal that the owner isn't that happy with either. It's nidoch, it's been pushed out. Both of these cases, of course, there is the mitzvah of Ashavah Saved. In fact, the Torah in Parshas Kiseitze writes the word, don't think you can be misalimehem. Don't think this Aveda, which seems to be an Aveda that 
has tried to run away or that the owner perhaps has mistreated. The Torah says you can't not be involved. You can't assume. And you have to do what you can to try to return them. Rabbi Yoshev says that, of course, this is uh, the mitzvah of Ashavah Saveda, of returning the item back, the animal or whatever the item is back to the owner. But of course, there's more to it. Rabbi Yoshev illustrates by quoting uh, the famous Gemara in Bava Metzia. The Gemara Bava Metzia says that the place where the seeker of the lost item and the item itself that was lost and the person who found it would come together when we had the Beis Hamikdash was in a special place in Yerushalayim called Eben Atoen. There was a great achdus of Klal Yisrael at that point. We were all going to Yerushalayim. Now, it's true, it was only three times a year, but you knew that you, you had a great chance of getting your lost item then. That's when everybody was there, and that's probably when a lot of the items were lost, if you think about it. That's when things were uh, hustle and bustle, and things were, there were so many people, and that's where somebody who might have picked it up found it, he doesn't know where to find you, but he knows somebody from your family will probably be back, or you will be back in Yerushalayim in the very next Yontif. So that was this Evan Atoing. Gemara says that when the Beis Hamikdash was destroyed, however, then the idea of Ashavas Aveda became much stronger. Obviously, they couldn't go. There wasn't. We weren't going to Yerushalayim anymore. So every little community and every shul, so to speak, they had to announce during the davening about these lost items. Every community has to take care of their own and do what they can in the best possible way. Maybe even hearing about what happened in other places. Rav Yashiv says that this is a powerful moshul to human beings. There are just like sheep that are lost, that are trying in some way to find safe haven to get back to their owner, to get back to find meaning. There are people that, balichuva, as we would say, who are on their way. And we can see that from the fact that they're confused and they're looking for direction. They're, being t- they're lost. They're toa. Those are the ones Rabbi Yoshev says that it's easy. It's easy to deal with. Those are the ones that are open to our suggestion, the ones that haven't had so much bitterness. They're toyim. To'em bederach, not with a test, with a tough. Tough vav ayin hay. The Torah by, in Parshas Kisaitza is telling us that there is another sort of person that we need to search out the one who doesn't really want to be found, the one who is, in a sense, a nidach. Those are the ones that you might be want to be misalim from. Those might be the ones that you say that you don't want to connect to. They're already damaged goods. They've damaged themselves. Maybe there isn't an idea of even bringing them back to their family if they've gone off the derech, so to speak. Torah is telling you no that the Indian of Ashavas Haveda, of bringing a person back to himself, to his neshama, to his avi, of Aviv Shabbat that 
is a chiv no matter what. Rabbi Yoshev, although this is very an inventive uh, interpretation, Rabbi Yoshev finds a precedent from the Gemara in Makas to this. The Gemara says that Rav was very scared of the post that says, bagoyim, that we're going to be lost completely. And Rav Popo, when he heard that Rav was upset about this, was Rav saw that maybe we're going to be lost and we're going to lose our identity. We're not going to be Klal Yisrael anymore. Uh, Rav Popo said, there's being lost, being an Aveda, doesn't necessarily mean that you're finished. As we know, Rav Popo says, there are Avedas that are mispakeshes. There's Avedas that want to be found. There's that Aveda that is that living thing. Yes, of course, there's something that falls off the truck, and then you have to go to all the rest stops and find out where it is that you might, that thing might have fallen off. And that situation, you're just looking for the Aveda, as Rav Popo says, but but it's not looking for you. But there's another type of Aveda that the Torah might mean, the Pasuk might mean when it says, Avadatem Bagoyim. That's an Aveda Mispakeshes that's doing its part. It itself wants something. And it's, of course, those are the easier cases. But that's, Rebel Yoshev says, is, 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 is you see from Rav Papa that the idea of being lost and the, and, 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 uh, and, and an Aveda Mispakeshes is a great parallel to Klal Yisrael. That's true, although we're going to be mechuyiv, to go out and do whatever we can for every of those lost ones. We sometimes shouldn't feel so despondent. And we should realize that in some way we're like this Aveda Mispakeshes, Ta'isi Kaseh Oiveid, David HaMelech says. And as Rabbi Yashiv says so beautifully, Kaseh HaTzoyik, Kishetoa, Veroitze Oshuv Limkoyimoi, it wants to get back. If that's the way it works, then and if we keep that type of bitachon, then we will find. Just to end tonight with, well, just to end with this, it is going to be uh Parsha Shkolem this week. Uh, in many communities, uh, they had uh, a custom for uh, Ketanim to get the Maftir. And, um, and it happens a lot. Uh, I've been in shoals where it's happened, uh, where because the Maftir is not from the, the seven Alios, so they would give Maftir to a child. So Rabbi Yoshev said, even in communities where they give mafter for a child, not where it's Parsha Shkolem, like this week. So a koton should not get mafter. The reason is, is because it's clear that it's not just mafter. You're taking out another Sefer Torah. It's a special Kriya. If, if you're just repeating the last section, and then you're going to do the Haftorah. So, okay, that makes sense. The, it's not really, the fact is, everybody sees you just read from the same Sefer. But you take out a new Sefer and you call a child, then, you know, that's, that's not where we allow children to read. Now, let's say it's B'moka Matzorech, though, 
Now, I don't know what the Mokum is. Um, you know, I'm not sure why there would be necessarily a, maybe there's somebody in the show that's demanding it. Maybe they expected it. Maybe it's the type of thing where, you know, uh, there's some places where the children learn, uh, and this is their chinuch, is to get that aliyah and to read that aliyah. I know many of you maybe are in shuls where you see that. So Rabbi Yoshev says, if you were reading the lay of the land, and that's what it means, you see that there's pushing from the parents on that side. So even though it's a parsha shkolim, uh, you could be meiko. I do not think Rebel Yoshev would say the same thing, of course, if it would be Parsha Zohar. Parsha Shkolim is still only, you know, the fact is people have heard it, and that's the main thing, even though they're hearing it from a child. But it's not like Parsha Zohar, where it's a, a mitzvah daraisa, according to many shitas. So there, um, you should not, even if the custom is they do have children to take it, but Parsha Shkolim, yes, Parsha Zohar, no. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.